All right, welcome back or welcome to the Next Level Podcast. I'm your host, John Harrison. As always, we're brought to you by Apex Performance, the only leadership and performance training platform specifically catered towards the security professional. I'm super excited today to be joined by a friend of mine, um, former colleague. We used to do some work yeah. together, um, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, And just one of the best I think the industry has to offer as it comes to branding, marketing, communication, um, and how we can do it, how we do it poorly, and what we can do about that. Also, uh, Tristan's going to give us some perspective on being a young professional in the industry um, and what she would tell her former self uh, if she had to do it all over again, meaning what she can tell you if you're a young professional listening in to help you uh, grow faster and maybe sidestep some of those minds uh, that that uh, that she may have walked through. So that being said, Tristan Vaccaro, tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get here to where you are today? And, and what do you do uh, for us in the security industry? Absolutely. Thanks, John. Um... First of all, I really want to say thank you for having me on the podcast. This is really exciting. It's my first podcast. So, you know, excited, a little bit nervous, admittedly, but that's okay. Um, so, yeah, my name's Tristan. I work for LRG Marketing. It's a large scale marketing company service for the security industry focused mainly on physical security. Um, and for them, I'm a content specialist and account manager. So most of my days are spent writing blogs, press releases, articles, things like that for our clients, um, and then doing a little bit of account management for them as well. And like you said, young professional, 29, and you know I'm involved with Rise. And yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> Awesome. And so you and I got to know each other in an interesting way. Um, in a previous life, we we both did some, you know, contract and consulting work and uh got to work with each other on some projects. And I remember I want I want to be very vulnerable and candid here um about my presumptions. So you and I were working on a project together and you asked me like it was it, we were it was a uh, either a white paper or mm -hmm. a, a blog maybe multiple I don't I don't quite mm -hmm. remember we did a lot of work together and uh, but it was the first time and you're just like hey get some ideas down get some thoughts down and I'll just take care of the rest and I was like I know so much about the security industry um, she's brand new like can she really take like are, like are you going to be able to transform my ideas and my concepts without the context that I have and just make it into this thing and you did. And it was better than I could have ever done. And and if <laughs> well, I didn't you. tell you that at the time, I, I I'm telling you now. And and I was like floored. I was and I remember going uh to you know my consulting partners at the time and saying, like, wow, like this is like like this is fantastic. I didn't know it was before I knew what copywriting was. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it was it was magic to see someone who could just who just had enough context and ideas to take that, to take, you know, in essence. And, and now I work with someone, Jenna Hardy today, shout out to Jenna, who's my colleague at Hivewatch. She has that same magic. And so it's, it's fantastic to see great copywriting and marketing uh, and communication when, you, and, you know, now I know it when I see it, but you were the first time I saw it. Um, 
So, so thank you for being able to take my, my scatterbrained ideas and thoughts and turn them into something beautiful. Uh, and then two, talk a little bit about, can you, can we unpack that process a little bit? Because I feel like, you know, you've, you know, we won't name names. We won't talk about clients, but I know, I see, I remember seeing things, big name, you know, uh, industry uh, brands mm -hmm. that I knew you wrote <laughs> and being like, yeah. oh, I know that's a, <laughs> that's a Tristan thing right there. And being like proud, you know, that like either we collaborated on it or, or that you wrote it. Cause I know those were clients. Like um, talk a little bit about that because I think it's, it's both like, I want to know what it feels like to, to like not get credit. Like that's yeah. an interesting thought of like, I did that, but nobody knows it, but people are saying how great it is. But like, you know, outside of like whatever fee you receive, you know, that, that like not knowing it was you. Um, and then like, how did you get good at it? What was the process? What was the skill acquisition that you went through to, to, you know, develop that, that capability? Definitely. Well, I really appreciate it again. Um, you know, you always were one to give me my flowers and I appreciate that. Um, so that's, you know, always not the case, but I'll back up a little bit. I got my degree, graduated in 2017 from Kennesaw State University in Georgia with my degree in marketing, specifically in PR. And after I graduated, I kind of fell into a trap that I think a lot of young professionals fall into. And especially during that time where you hear so much about the job market and you're nervous and I took the first job offer that was thrown at me, which was actually inside sales. And I did that for about five years and, you know, pandemic happened and everything. And I changed industries. And that's when I started in the security industry. That was February, 2021. Um, but I was still doing sales and I didn't love it. And I always wanted to get back into a marketing position. And, you know, we can talk about it or kind of skip over it, but I really did just kind of fall into it. And I really pushed the company that I was with. I was like, hey, if you guys ever need me to write a blog or, you know, help with marketing, like I really, I want to do that. So even though my role was sales, I kept trying to find these little pathways to get back to what I was doing, which was PR and writing. And I wish that I could tell you I had a secret sauce and recipe for how, you know, I became a good writer and I really don't have one. I never took writing classes or, you know, majored in English or anything like that. I think it's just natural talent. I don't want to brag, but I really, I just believe that I, I think I just fell into it kind of, and looked for these opportunities to try to get back into marketing. And a lot of them came being like, hey, we need a blog really quick, or we need a quick social media post. And I just started to do that. And people would tell me that I was good at it. I'm like, okay, you know, I think there's, there's something here. And again, I just, I really fell into it. And it was a happy accident. And the more people that saw my work were like, hey, this is, this is really great what do you think you can do here and over here? And it was just by doing that I learned so much. And I feel like the security industry, again, there's so much because you have end users, integrators, you're talking to so many different markets and people. And it was really learning by doing and a lot of research. And I just, again, kind of fell into it, but it's been 
such a great experience to learn all of these different things. And now I'm happy to say that from a marketing perspective, marketing myself, yeah, I feel like I have a really great skill where I know about so many different things within the security industry. I've written for camera manufacturers, analytics, you know, pretty much you name it, access control. Like I have at least a base knowledge of all of these industries because of that, which has been really cool. So what, what struck me about your, in a summary of, of kind of what going from where you were to where you are is, you know, the um, learning by doing, meaning to sell the stuff, you had to know enough about it to get somebody else's interest to give you money. And so yeah. when you, when you are, when your job is to stimulate interest, like you already know how to communicate in a way to garner attention, to give people mm-hmm. to exchange uh, a resource for the thing that you're delivering to them. So taking that, I mean, so do you feel that being in sales made you a better marketer because you had this, like this basic knowledge of like, well, I know some about some product, like, you know, AKA my product, because I had to sell it. So I know how to talk about it and I know how to market it and how to deliver it. Because I often see, like, I, I worked at a company that brought in some of the best marketing minds, like people who did things in other like non-associated industries that were like amazing, mm-hmm. but it just didn't work. And um, like, like the, it was, so they didn't take the time to learn enough about the product where they could, they just tried to say, Hey, I, you know, I did this on in fashion. So if I do it in locking hardware, like that should work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like maybe, but maybe not. And it's maybe a concepts versus tactics. So like, dig, I want to dig into that a little bit about like, how do you feel having some, not a, not a lot, because I think there's this like healthy tension between, um, and, and, mutual friend of ours, Leo Desk used to always say this to me, you know, talent over tenure, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the difference between saying I need someone with 10 years of sales experience before they can be my marketing person versus someone with three, five, right? And, and saying like, and who is who's raising their hand, saying, I want to do this, I want to do this. So a little bit about that. What What is your thoughts on having that baseline knowledge and how that helped you or or, or didn't? Yeah, I think it's a healthy mix of both. Um, I would say that for every job interview that I've been in, I've gone in and said, hey, you know, I know you're hiring me for this, this, and this, but I'm telling you, if you want me to do something, I'll figure it out. Mm. You know, I'm willing to do the research, take a class, do things to learn more and figure out what it is that you need me to do. But with that being said, talking about having sales experience and transferring that into marketing. I think the biggest thing is knowing pain points. Mm. Customers, you know, don't want to hear what your latest release is and, oh, your firmware update does this. And, (laughs) oh, your analytics tracks people crossing the street. Like, very cool. No, they want to know how you're going to help them save money, how you're going to help them create efficiency and, you know, maybe allocate labor resources better. And by sales, you know, those pain points because those are your customers. Right. So, you know, 
that's what they say in sales is talk about their pain points and how your product solves their pain points. You're doing the exact same thing in marketing. And I think marketing is just an expanded thread of that. Mm. And the way that I really like to approach things and I'm kind of one of those weird Disney adults, but um, what I really admire about them is they do storytelling so well. And I take so much inspiration from that because that's what people are interested in. That's what they want to hear about is they want a story. And I think that's a big thing that our industry misses, but there's also a lot of opportunity there. If you can tell a story that addresses these pain points in a natural way, that's that's your hook. That's the magic. So let so let's go there. We you know there's you and I have had conversations in in the past multiple times since like the first time we interacted about what um so the, so again you said it our industry is 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 amazing because it's so unnecessarily complicated but also mm-hmm. interestingly diverse because you have exactly. these you know cons- there's there's you think about the four we'll call them four main categories or pillars of the industry with the end user consultant manufacturer slash service provider uh and the integrator all right so mm-hmm. there's this delicate balance and tension between all four of those personas there's also a market for sales marketing uh human resources uh you know technology folks you know people leaders in all four of those yeah and and um the only one i haven't worked in yet is integrator but i've worked for everything else and done a lot of different things in all of those and so what makes it so exciting for me is that young professionals and i didn't know this at the time and i try to speak it from the top of my lungs is to say you you can make a career doing the same thing in in just different types of companies in one industry and i'm sure other industries are are like this i'm just not as knowledgeable of them because i haven't been in them well like when i was in aerospace and defense like same thing right there's like boeing at the top and there's the guys that make the screws that go on the tires it's more of mm-hmm. a more of a uh um verticalized supply chain category but then there's delta who flies the planes and then there's mm-hmm. the airports right so i'm sure everyone has it but i'm just familiar with with ours but you get in and you can like move around and do a lot in different places and there's different there's mm-hmm. huge integrators there's small ones there's startups like where i work now and then you know huge companies like Linnell where i used to work at right so everything in between um so that's magic but the opportunity is that like we we still i still get a monthly physical magazine more than one that people pay money to put things in that I'm fucking a thousand percent sure does not drive any buying decisions. <laughs> I'm very certain of that. Yet there I, it is. <laughs> I might argue with you a little bit. Okay, let's do it. Because maybe it's because I write for those publications. <laughs> so I'm a little bit defensive, you know, but I think it's because our industry is so wide and I think it's rapidly changing but you do have people who you know are older who yeah. appreciate print media and that's still okay. their prefer preferred yeah. news source 
I will say no, that but then you I, have the other I, end of the spectrum who's, you know, Gen Z entering the workforce. Of course, they're never going to pick that up. But I think you have to hit all of those points and everyone in between. And that's why I think the security industry is so deep for all of those yeah. reasons you said. And you've got vertical, you've got horizontal, you've got different age groups, you know, you've got different genders. It's so diverse and you have to hit all of these points. And so again, do I think print media is what it used to be? Absolutely not. But I do think there is value in the range, if that makes sense. No, that's a, that's a great point. And, and, and uh, I, I will, I agree with you in concept. And and it's a we don't have to agree on everything. So this isn't I'm not uh, trying to change your mind. Um, what I wonder is, you know, uh, diminishing returns. Like, is anybody going to stop buying Axis cameras because Axis stops putting two page ads in? You know, so no. you know that's kind of where I'm going. It's no. like yes, I, you know, and I 100 percent agree right? with you. So no. um, so there's just like a decision, and, and you know, I. I'm not shaming Axis. They're just ones that popped in the top of my head because they're the most well-known brand. They could probably stop doing marketing as much as they do it and people would still know them, but maybe that's some of the magic. Maybe that's why everybody knows them. So who am I to say, I'm not the marketer, you are. So I'm just, now I'm, I'm becoming an old crotchety guy with an opinion um, who who's rabble-rousing about, about you know, anti-print media. Print media, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> At any rate, you, you you bring a fantastic point up, which is, you know, we have this range and, but I feel that at least my perspective is that most organizations are um, uncomfortable with new media and yes. they're really, they're like, but like, it's just easy to keep spending the 15K, you know, do ISC, do GSX, do a couple webinars, throw our ads in security news, systems news now, and like all those prints, which I love the, I write for them too, right? Like Paul Goose is my guy. Yeah. I, I'd send him stuff off like these, like I'm there, right? Um, that's the easy, comfortable way, just hit and repeat in there. Um, but what is, what is uh, not common and we were talking about it a little bit before I press record is uh, seeing outside of LinkedIn, seeing any sort of social media presence or digital footprint for our, our, uh, our industry. Um, and, 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 and part of me thinks like, if you're slow to there, like the decision makers are going to, they're on, they're already on, I'm like, I'm 41. I have TikTok. I have Facebook, I have Instagram, I have Twitter. Instagram's now become my my social media of choice. It's it's just like I like watching Same. videos and it's like exactly. it's more engaging and it's fun. They're doing a great job. Like Instagram has nailed it. Like they bombed with threads. Like I don't care about I'll never call Twitter X either. It's always going to be Twitter. It's just um there's one there's one company and I won't name them um uh cuz I don't you know you know just to keep it anonymous, but there's one company that is the only company that I see coming up in my feed. And, uh, and I'm like, dude, they're, they're getting it right. And they're already very, they're a top five video slash access control company and they do a really <laughs> good job. And, and you and I had a conversation on, on LinkedIn about this a couple of years ago. 
when I was with group 337, I did an analysis of the social media footprint of, I just, I picked like a diverse group of top 10 kind of, of my opinion, top 10 uh, access control companies in, in the world and looked at their social media in, uh, activity and specifically looked at their engagement rates, which was some, which was kind of a, um, I, I read a book called Influencer. It was about a young lady who basically became an Instagram influencer. And then she tracked her whole process and told you, Hey, if you want to do this, this is how you can do it. But she had the, you know, she, she had mastered the algorithms mm -hmm. and had the specific math equation around, you know, a, a good engagement rate. And, and so I, I used my engagement rates on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn and, and, um, compared them to these companies. Some of them didn't even own social media handles on the platforms and those who did typically did whatever they they posted on LinkedIn. They just copied, pasted it and posted on the other platforms. And they were getting, some of them had maybe a thousand followers and were getting zero likes, zero engagement. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway, long diatribe about this, like my opinions of it. But as someone who is herself a younger professional, Gen Z, who, is, who probably knows more about these platforms than, than anybody else that is working around you, um, kind of give me some thoughts, opinions, like what should security companies be doing with digital media, with, uh, social media? You know, if, if you were boss for a day, you know, what, what have you, what would you have them do? That's such a big question. I have so many <laughs> ideas going around in my head right now. Um, number one, you should absolutely be on LinkedIn bare minimum, you know, LinkedIn, I think is the bridge between Gen Z and um, millennials. Mm. I think you see a lot of engagement in between there. Facebook is the, you know, other bridge on the other side of that. You've got Instagram and then you've got TikTok on the Gen Z side. Um, my opinion, I think Twitter X is, is dead. Maybe that's not true, but to me, not worth fo focusing on Facebook, same thing. There's nothing wrong with, you know, again, posting on there and, you know, that's free and what have you. But I think at least for me, I'm really pushing my clients towards Instagram yeah. and TikTok. Instagram's a little bit easier because you can do just images. So yeah. there's not a lot of pressure, but TikTok is insane. Um, I posted this on my LinkedIn not too long ago, and I don't remember the exact statistic. I believe it's more than 50% though of Gen Z are searching for products using either Instagram or TikTok. Do you know how much random stuff I buy? Like I make more buying decisions for like, I bought this like rubber ball, stress ball and some other oh stuff. Oh my gosh right <laughs> yeah. of an instagram post i was like hey yes. i want that right it was like um and it and you know and so i've total side journey i've gone down this rabbit hole around affiliate marketing because i got intrigued by it mm -hmm. um and how the hooks come in from like and i'm building a partner program at hive watch and so i'm like what can i learn about how affiliates and partners are so successful in other adjacent industries and pull it in so i when I clicked on that, it sent me to Amazon, to an Amazon store that I purchased it from, which means that person who posted on TikTok 
that's not their product. They're an affiliate marketer who drove mm -hmm. it through an Amazon, you know, click through is that they got a certain percentage of a sale off of. So yeah. like these are all super interesting things you learn um, by just like studying the way that other industries do their stuff. But okay, but back to your point, you know, Instagram, um, you know, that, so like, so how, so that, that's, I feel like that's where things get scary for these companies. Cause they're like, I make locks. It's what a mindset, right? It's, okay. it's definitely a mindset and I can understand the fear again. Am I saying that the security industry sells the most exciting products for Gen Z and millennials? No. Are they Nike? Are they, you know, fashion? No, but there are still ways to be exciting and engaging on these platforms. I mean, I think I pitched to a company one time. I don't know if you know what ASMR is, um, big trend on TikTok, Instagram, but it's pretty much just like watching these relaxing, repetitive videos. Yeah. And I'm into it. Like I'll yeah. watch, you know, it's kind of like a shortened version of how it's made and watching, you know, machines drill yeah. things oh, yeah. over and over again. And I pitched to, I think it was a lot company who does things like that. I'm like, just take a video yeah. of your machines doing this over and over again and post that. And like, people will watch that. Like, I know yeah. it sounds crazy because I'm pitching this to somebody who's, you know, 60 years old and they're like, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, it's not your job to get it. Right. Like, can I right. just tell you that that's what people are into these days? And I think that's the mindset. And I've seen that at least throughout my career is where I feel like I'm screaming from the rooftops, like, this will work. Try this. This is what people are into. And there's such a resistance to change for whatever reason that that's what's a bummer. Because I feel like you have a lot of people like me, like you. There's so many others I can name right now we feel like we're screaming from a rooftop that things need to change and they're going to change. And if you don't change, you're going to die. It's not, yeah. you know, I, my, my hypothesis is that because it hasn't it, like it, it hasn't happened at the scale um, that could happen that people are like, see, told you so. Meaning like <clears throat> when a company comes in, and I used to work for one of these companies and they have the opportunity to do it differently and they don't necessarily execute to the level that they could have. Then mm -hmm. they get pointed at C new doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that's where there's this opportunity for this interesting balance. And, and, and again, you named it before is like still do the print media, but also do the TikTok video. What do you have? It's to free. Lose? Exactly. Lose, like right? obviously yeah. there's there's time and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also a roadblock for a lot of yeah. people. Who's yeah. going to take take charge of this? My marketing yeah. person's already swamped by right. Right. X, Y, and Z, but it's a mindset. You yeah. have to, you know, want to do these things and and see it through. And I'll also say be consistent. Yeah. You know, if you want to see results, you have to be consistent. That's like, you know day one stuff but right. a lot of people don't want to put in the inputs yeah i tried that, that point and it didn't work it's like well try yeah it every exactly day for 30 days it's just like if someone you know is like i want to go i want to be able to lift more and they go hey i tried to i tried to do a curl yesterday with 20 and i couldn't do it so 
and gave up. It's like Yeah. And especially on social media, like, you know, like I said, if you post one of those lock drilling videos, do you think you're going to get 800 followers overnight? No, but it is possible. So why yeah. not just go for it? Yeah. And like you said, you know, when you were doing your research, you're seeing a lot online of, you know, they're posting on Instagram, but they're not getting any likes. And just as a tip, you know, you're talking again, I don't know exactly who you did research on, but probably companies who have thousands of employees. 100%. That is such yeah. an opportunity to build that into your culture to say every morning, every employee needs to go on to go this like post, post. Yeah. like it, share. share it, comment. I mean, we, so at a, at a small company, the Hive Watch, right? Uh, you know, we have uh, a Slack channel that that is dedicated to social media. We say, hey, we just posted something, you know, at like every Instagram post, every LinkedIn post, uh, like and reshare. Uh, and like, who knows, right? Like, you don't know who, what eyeballs you're going to get um, off of, off of doing that. And to your point, I didn't even think about this is that if, you know, every one of those companies that I looked at had at least somewhere between 2000 and 10,000 employees. So if you even got 10% of your own employee population to like your stuff, um, then you know, exponentially uh, expands your reach and capability. And like, then that begs the question, are they, are your own employees even following you on there? Do they even know you have the presence on there? Are they following on there? You so would the be whole, like... so surprised of exactly how many employees aren't even following the own, their own company. Yeah. Which again, is just a missed opportunity. And it's about building into the culture and you can do that in a lot of ways. Um, I worked for a company, um, and I was like, hey, why don't you guys run a contest where, you know, the employee to like the most posts, comment the most, things like that wins a gift card or something like that. And I'm not saying that those always work, but again, building that into the culture and making that a point because people want to buy from people. They don't want to buy from, again, mega corporations who are going, oh, did you know our newest thing does this new thing? Like, cool, but whatever. But if I see my friend post, hey, this is a really cool product, you should check this out, I'm way more likely to be like, okay, you know, they know about this, I could probably ask them questions, you just never know. Yeah. So exactly, if you've got thousands of employees, and their network is thousands wide, I mean, that's where that's where it starts. So I think for those companies who are worried about how to get started, that's such an easy way to, you know, really kickstart it to be something more than just another Twitter or Facebook. Yeah. To feel like an obligation versus a, uh, a strategy like, Oh, I have to do this because like all the, you know, you know, I hired Deloitte and paid them 30 grand and they told me post every day on Twitter uh, versus, you know, actually speaking with someone who understands it, knows it. And um and, and, and doing it in a way that is part of your holistic marketing and branding strategy. Um, well, let's, let's take a, a bit of a pivot here, but call back to something you said before. Um, Cause I want to make sure we get, we have time for this discussion. You mentioned that you often feel like you're, you're kind of yelling into the abyss, like, Hey, wake up. There's an opportunity here. And, and not a lot of people are listening. Um, part of me feels that there's a, 
well, this is a younger person telling us something and compounded by the fact that it's a new idea with a younger person um, that, that, you know, we don't want to listen to it. Um, so as a young professional, are there things, especially in like the last, you know, we'll call it three years of, of your career where you've kind of stacked a lot, of, you know, you went out on your own for a while, were successful as, as a, as an entrepreneur, you know, joined an agency now. Um, so like speaking back to that, you know, 2020 version of you, that 2019 version of you, like if someone in your shoes starting out on their path, like what would you you know, what are like three nuggets where you'd want to uh, impart on, you know, your younger self? I would say number one is, again, going back to the very beginning and throughout my career, I felt like I was always screaming into abyss mm. with almost every company that I worked at. And that's not, you know, necessarily on them, because I think I could say that for maybe 80% of companies out there. And 80, like I, I talk to people all the time who have the same experience yeah. for different things. You know, I feel like I'm trying to communicate with my leaders and tell them, hey, you should try this, you should do this. And I'm not really getting anywhere. And that's tough. And what I wish I knew is I wish I knew that I didn't have to settle for that, that I could pivot and one, do it on my own. If my bosses won't listen to me, I'll become the boss, hmm. number one. But there are opportunities out there to pivot and you can work for a company that will listen to you. They're out there and they're <laughs> they're hard to find, but they're definitely out there, which is really exciting. And even if you feel like you're not getting anywhere at your own company, there's always little opportunities. And I'm not saying you have to break your back, but it's finding those little opportunities to introduce something new and taking those baby steps. So I would say that's number one. Number two, I would say get involved. Get involved with industry organizations, get involved with industry groups, whether it's on social media, in real life, networking opportunities. You know, you can do them within the industry, you can do them within your own community. There's there's so many opportunities out there and networking is going to be the greatest tool that will change your life. And then number three, what I wish I knew was that whatever job that I was at, it's not always about the money. Mm. Um, like I said, when I first graduated, I got really nervous. I took the first job out of college and it paid good and that was great. Um, was I also sometimes staying till seven o'clock at night and, you know, working late and everything and not getting a lot of time and things like that. I wish that I could go back and be like, look for a job that gives you work-life balance, great benefits, good working environment, things like that. Cause I think when you're young, you think, oh, I just, I need the highest paying job. I keep wanting to move up and find the next big opportunity. And again, maybe that that's what you're searching for because, you know, money makes the world go around. I'm not saying nobody needs money, mm. but I wish I knew that the highest paying job isn't always the best job. Yeah, that that's a statement wise beyond your years. It, you know, it took me a long time to to understand the the larger math problem. 
Yeah. Um, that it's not just uh, um, higher income equals happiness. But, you know, I, I was having a conversation with um, a friend of mine uh, at the bus stop this morning as I was dropping my kids off uh, or waiting for my kids to get picked up. And I was her and my wife are traveling on a on a girls trip to Toronto, and we're kind of talking about that and their experience. And 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 I was like, oh, I, I haven't really gone on like a quote unquote boys trip. As but you should travel a lot for work. And I, I spent like you know the better part of an entire spring in Paris. So like woes me, right? Um, <laughs> and but I remember then reflecting at you know kind of as I'm walking back into my house, like man, I. I could have never done two things. I could have never done what I just did this morning, which was get up, go for a run, relax with my kids, feed them breakfast, make their lunch. My wife goes off to school, goes off to work. She's a teacher. Walk my kids to the bus stop, come inside, start work, get things done, record this with you. Like that doesn't happen. No, there's no way. So, um, there's, there's, uh, but if I would have stayed on that track, like I'm sure I would be making twice as much as I am now, but working, uh, not harder per se. I work really hard. I put a lot of hours in intentionally in the right places for the leverage that will move the company, the business and my career forward, not just being in an office, right. For like, there was times where I go to work at 6 a.m. I wouldn't get home till 7. I was consistent yeah. and working on Saturdays. And it was just yeah. because I thought that was the thing you had to do because 100%. that was the thing everyone was doing, right? So like, yes. you know, and I'm sure that similar experiences where it's like you're, and I was young and I was the youngest amongst older people. So I'm like, man, if I want to stay in the room, I got to work mm -hmm. twice as hard because they look at me and I look like a baby and all these people are, you know, and, and I actually, you know, ran into a former colleague who I'm like, who I, I could kind of like, like I'm, I'm showing up, but we got coffee. I'm like in hoodies and a sweat. And I'm like, yeah, I work in product and partnerships now with a startup. And he's like, oh, like he, and, and he stayed on the path mm -hmm. and it's not going great. Yeah. And look, and not I'm to not, say that like mine exactly, wouldn't have, but it's just like, it's kind of biased, right? Path. But yeah. And the hustle and you know, things like that. And are you probably going to get further and make more money? Possibly. But yeah. I really wish that I knew an office job is not for me. 100%. It's just not. And that's me. And that's specific to me. Yeah. That I do function best in a work from home environment. Do I wish that I was able to like go into the office sometimes and interact with people? Definitely. But, you know, when you're a writer and you're in an office environment and somebody's yelling at you over here and somebody's talking about your weekend over here, it can be a lot. And I just wish that I knew that, you know, the grind, wake up at six, go to work, stay till seven, come home, rinse and repeat two weeks off a year. Yeah. You know, that's not for me and what I want. You know, and, is, and you is don't that probably going to limit me a little bit? Possibly, yes. But that's just what I need to, number one, be happy. And number two, to perform my best work. I think that's the, what you've just said is is one of the most profound things I think someone can start to think about is what environment do I need to do my best work? And I remember thinking, so when I, when I was that I could never work from home 
because I because I was like I I just don't know that I like for some reason I thought um you know it was a limiting belief that like I wouldn't have the discipline now this is coming from a guy who um was an alcoholic and quit drinking cold turkey just because I I thought I needed to had the discipline for the last 13 years to never pick up another drink I've run four marathons 10 That's half amazing. marathons and for some reason I'm like but I can't do that it was because I was scared because I didn't know if I could do it. So I had this limiting belief of like, if I just say I don't have the discipline to to get up and do work from home, um, then I never have to like figure out. But eventually I broke through that. And now I'm like, man, it was like same thing. Like it would be sometimes I think it'd be nice if I could go into an office and have some social interaction. That would be phenomenal. But the the like minimal dopamine spike I'd get from that exactly it's not worth all of it. this not worth it right so exactly. so it's like all right well then when i fly to la you know every quarter to meet with the team or or see him at gsx or the other times I interact with my with my team that's good enough right like i'll, yeah. I'll take i'll take those kind of like more intense week-long bursts of engagement versus having to drive into an office every single day and i don't know if this will be forever um, I don't know as, as my life changes and evolves and my kids get older and there's less obligations at home. If I go yeah. now, this makes more sense, right? That's part of it too, is I think being open to that you change as a human and life, you know, you know, like, you know, we shared before you got, you got, you and uh, your significant other just picked up and moved across the country, right? Just like, we're going to go do this somewhere else. Cause we want to, right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like, that's a decision that you can make and you're free to make and, and, and you know, some folks don't feel free to do that. And I, and, you know, I, I really admire at a young age for you to even say, I don't like the bosses I have at my disposal. So I'm going to go be my own boss. That was another really scary moment. I'm sure you had, I've done it before as well, you know, much later in my career when I felt way more comfortable. Um, you know, those are things because now, you know, deep down inside, that's always an option. Exactly. And then there's also, to, again, it's not about the money, but maybe it's not about the freedom because I figured out that when I was freelancing, when I was running my own copywriting company, that was awesome. Again, I was my own boss, which was really cool, but there was also downsides. I didn't have benefits, which for somebody with anxiety like me, that was <laughs> really scary. Every time I like got in the car, I'm like, what if something bad happened? How would I pay for the hospital? Like, you know, that's not a fun thought to have. And then, you know, trying to get clients every day and trying to budget, how much am I going to make this month? Well, what about this month? You know, that's, that was a scary thought. And so even to move on from that, I found an even better position where I'm able to have a lot of those benefits, like, you know, kind of writing on deadline and, you know, I have a great work-life balance, but now I have a good salary, consistent salary. I'm contributing to my 401k. I've got good benefits yeah. and that's what works for me right now. Yeah. Um, and I'll share a quick story. I just talked with my friend. She just found out last month that she um, passed the bar mm. and, you know, had worked for that for a long time, awesome. but she also just started with a new company mm. and she's maybe about a month in. I'm like, Hey, how's it going? She's like, I don't love it. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's, that's fine. Why don't you try to find something else? And she was like, well, you know, I feel like I just started. I don't, I don't want to do that to them. I'm like, you don't owe them anything. 
why would you spend even one more minute being happy there when you are being unhappy there when you could go out and and try to find something else that fits what you're looking for and again that sounds easier said than done i know the job market isn't the absolute best and people are you know dying to hire again but you don't owe the company that you work for anything if you're not happy you can try to find your next big thing and you don't have to feel guilty or bad about it for any reason yeah i mean great people will find opportunities Absolutely. So, I mean, if, if there's one thing I, you know, I'd want people to take away from this, and, and I think there's a, you know, um, you know, my own experience when I worked at a large conglomerate for almost 10 years, um, as I, as my star rose and I kept moving up into more and more leadership roles, uh, anytime we missed the quarterly numbers, we did layoffs. I did, a, I did, I was a part of 11 rounds of reduction in force. The 11th was me. When I moved over to Linnell, I got laid off. So I had impacted the lives of hundreds of people, maybe thousands over mm -hmm. that course, because, you know, they were deemed no longer valuable to the organization until I was deemed no longer valuable. To the when that happened, something changed in my mindset to say, I'll never ever fully rely on somebody else to take care of me. Nobody's coming to save me. If I don't do it, no one will. Now, I, I mean, maybe that's a cynics way of looking at the world today, but I've lived it. And I know if you're part of a large publicly traded organization and you miss your numbers by 5%, they're going to reduce headcount. And you may be a part of that. And it's not personal. It was a spreadsheet. Exactly. Had all these it's things in there, and then they click a button and they go, these are the people who are up for it, pick from them. Right. So I was, yeah. I like, I knew the process. So I couldn't even be mad when it happened to me because I knew what it was like. Cause I'd done it 10 times. Uh, so what's the output of that? Just what you said. I, you know, I think, you know, older generations for some, and it used to be, I think there used to be more loyalty in companies. There used to be, you know, pensions and like there was, it was way more familial, but we also gave a lot of ourselves to companies. Mm -hmm. We would we would say like, oh, I got like I remember saying to my wife like, oh, like I gotta go in on this Saturday. Well, no, you're choosing to go in. No, I, I have mm -hmm. to. No, you don't have to. You're choosing, yeah. right? If you die tomorrow, that company doesn't give a shit about you. Exactly. You will put that wreck out and replace you. So don't burn all your energy for this corporation that at the end of the day doesn't really care about you personally. Uh, and if you're unhappy there, I don't care if you've been there for 10 years or for 10 days, because if you're not working out, they'll fire you. Yep. So you don't owe them anything. And, and so I, I, you know, just to reinforce what you state, what you stated, like, I think one thing for folks is to don't feel afraid to make change just because you think it's going to look bad on your resume. There's no reason why you can't say there was a bad fit you know, sound like whatever, be honest, right? Like, like, you know, that's just how I think our world is today that, that uh, it's a different employee employer environment. And, uh, and again, we're, you know, if you, what you started with, and I forget if we talked about this before we hit record or after around, like you can, you know, seeking 
employers for you know values uh you know versus the paycheck um so if you seek out the employer that has a value match they're not gonna ding you for saying well we don't you know you left this place after a couple months like you know who is that all about and and you know they're hey, not gonna it? care because right. they care about the value that you add exactly and i think that's another small part of it is you have to make yourself so valuable that they can't afford either to lose you or to not have you. And I think, again, a lot of that is networking and continuing education and you have to take those steps. There is personal accountability in that. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't just be like, ah, well, they didn't like me On to the next. Like there has to be some personal accountability but otherwise, the number one thing that I learned, again, through my very short, but also kind of a long time, is there are things that I will and will not tolerate. I'm not going to work till 7 p.m. anymore. I just won't do it. And I don't have to. And that's a great freeing feeling that I think if somebody out there doesn't have, you can go find that. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying it's easy, but you deserve it and you owe it to yourself to at least try. Well, I'll make this commitment to anybody who's listening, who's hearing this and saying, I'm in that world right now and and I don't want to be. One, to your point before, get connected with Rise because you'll meet 20 people who work for five different companies who operate in a way that we're talking about right now that we could recommend to you that would that would alleviate this pain. Um, and they may not be hiring tomorrow, but you have, I mean, I, and, and I've, I've, I've said this a couple of times in the podcast, in my last four jobs, so from, from when I went to Linnell to every job I've had since then, I did not, there was not a cold uh, like application it was a relationship-based hire, meaning I knew the people and either they approached me or I approached them. Meaning in my, again, small sample size bias, but in my opinion, your network is your number one multiplier for opportunities and finding a job than just, you know, rage applying on Indeed or LinkedIn um, because you're pissed off of where you're at. Like Absolutely. go talk to people. You have and- to ask for it. Don't yeah. be afraid to ask for it. You know, obviously, if you're working for a company, you can't just get on LinkedIn and be like, hey, I'm looking for a job. Please help me. <laughs> yeah. You know, but private message people that you're close to and you trust. And again, you can go into a group like Rise and be like, hey, you know, even I'm looking for a friend. Does anybody know anything? Like, yeah. you have to ask for these opportunities and they will be given to you if, again, you're open to that networking environment yeah i mean and people like people like helping people so uh you you know it's 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 enjoyable to see the success of others um and and again you know use rise as an example or you know asis the kind of two main groups but then there's like spinoff um you know kind of social networks that i've been a part of uh uh, Lee Auten and, and Tim Wenzel created this kindness games concept. And 
I'm actually going to have them on the podcast next week. Talk about that. But there's been some, you know, virtuous community that's come out of that where people, the right people, if you get connected with the right people, all they want to do is help other people succeed. And, and like, that's, and there's way more people like that in the security industry than I think people realize. Um, and, and just, you know, go on LinkedIn and look at um, the people who are posting the most. So back to the social media presence, people who are posting the most, they're, most of it is good stuff promoting other people, helping other people get to where they want to get to. Uh, and that's such a theme for, you know, and again, maybe it's a little bit of a rose uh, colored lens that you and I see it through because we know a lot of these people and, and, and they're the ones we interact with. So we're like, Hey, but like come to the party. It's not, it's not a private party. It's open to anybody who's willing to have a conversation. So, so I, I openly invite all, all listeners to, to come participate. Um, well, we are unfortunately coming up on the clock here. Um, this is, I felt like we've talked for 10 minutes. It's almost been almost right. an hour. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I feel like we could go for another hour, but we, we may have to, I, I feel like we only scratched the surface of, of the marketing and branding and that. So, so I'd love to have you back on at some future time and go a little bit deeper on on that topic, because I think it's one, like, I specifically want to talk about storytelling because that, that we, you, you breezed over it, you mentioned it, but that's something that I think is, um, is worth spending some time and in digging into and talking about, because I think there there's massive opportunity, um, for us in the industry to, to tell our story, to own our story and tell it better. Absolutely. Um, and I'd be so open to that. This was such a great experience, especially for my first podcast, you made it easy. And that's probably because I knew you beforehand. So it's like talking to a friend, yeah. but, but this was so awesome. And yeah, very cool. Love it. Well, appreciate it, Tristan. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, thank you for uh, being a catalyst for my growth and my knowledge and understanding of the world of marketing between you and, and Hillary Gallagher were my uh, and then, and then Janet Fenner, like that, between you three of really shining a light on what good could look like, what, um, what, uh, kind of this whole opportunity of like, you know, people need other people to help them do stuff and, and write things and, and, and the way messaging and, 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 and just like, we're the magic of words, um, you know, I didn't really have a good grasp on it until, until working with, with the three U ladies, which has been transformational for me and, and my career um, as I develop and continue to evolve as a professional. So thank you for that. And uh, can't wait to have you back on the next time. So have a wonderful rest of your week and let's go do great things. Absolutely. Thank you so much, John. This was great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.